0: Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 95 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. On today's episode, we're going emotional and exploring our idiomatic and metaphorical feelings. If you haven't checked out the merch store yet and would like to, I have a link in the show notes. Alright, it's time to feel our way through today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up today is like a dog with two tails, which means delighted or extremely pleased. This one has to do with the fact that a happy dog wags their tail, and typically the faster it wags, the happier the dog is. The two tails part alludes to the idea that if a dog is wagging its tail hard enough, it might sort of appear that the dog has two tails. Now, the original version of this saying was as proud as a dog with two tails, and it's relatively new, at least compared to some of the phrases we look at. The first use in print I found was the Edwardsville Spectator, a newspaper from Edwardsville, Illinois. On January 21st, 1826, the following was included in an article about two opposing political groups. they're nothing but a set of shiftless, good-for-nothing critters that hadn't got education enough to know a figure four from a pig yoke. I have them I'd like to see how some on em would make out writing resolutions and drafting bills at the legislator. But if they do get ahead on us, they'll be as proud as a dog with two tails. End quote. The saying doesn't always mean happy. It can be used to mean something seems strange. Which is a use we see as early as 1841. On July 24th of that year, we find it in an article in the Boston Morning Globe, a newspaper from Boston, Massachusetts. Quote, Mr. Green, please to ask your Buffalo correspondent what the mizen mast of a schooner is. The lake schooners may have mizen masts, but our salt water schooners would feel as strange with one as a dog with two tails. End quote. That's really all there is for this one, so let's look at another happy phrase. To be on cloud nine means you're blissful. The main theory has to do with actual clouds, specifically cumulonimbus clouds, the big, tall, fluffy clouds with fat bottoms, also known as thunderstorm clouds. In 1896, an international meteorology conference took place in Paris in order to establish uniform cloud classifications. Cumulonimbus clouds were put down as number 9 on their list. Since these clouds are so tall, if you could physically be on a cloud 9, then you'd be high up. Since being happy lifts you up figuratively, this is where the connection is found. But this saying isn't really as straightforward as that. People have also used other numbered clouds, most notably 7 and 8, in similar sayings. The saying may mean happy now, but its roots can be found in more of a dreamy meaning. I touched on the saying Cloud Cuckoo Land in Episode 32, which was the precursor to calling someone cuckoo, and goes back to the 4th century. I couldn't find anything specific about Albion J. Pollock, but he wrote The Underworld Speaks in 1935. It was a dictionary of slang and included this definition of Cloud 8, quote, befuddled on account of drinking too much liquor. Since someone who is drunk might act in an absurd way, we can draw a similarity to Cloud Cuckoo Land, the long ago beginning of calling someone crazy. In August of 1946, an article in the Oxnard Press Courier, a newspaper from Oxnard, California, included the first known idiomatic use of Cloud 9. Quote, I think he has thought of everything, unless the authorities pull something new on him out of Cloud 9. End quote. Another slang dictionary, the Dictionary of American Slang, was first published in 1960, and it defined Cloud 7 as, quote, Completely happy, perfectly satisfied, in a euphoric state. End quote. One theory for this usage is that it stems from the saying seventh heaven, which is the highest level of heaven, and is also used to say extreme happiness. So why is cloud nine the most popular cloud of happiness? Most likely, it's due to music. Popular singing group The Temptations had an album called Cloud Nine in 1969. An English musician George Harrison also had an album called Cloud Nine, which was released in 1987. Honestly, the history of the saying is a bit up in the air, but I predict it won't leave the vernacular anytime soon. So let's move on. Toppers, I actually have five more sayings for you today but they're all turn-of-phrase's tidbits. I found a little information about a lot of feelings phrases, so I decided to throw in a bunch of tidbits today. The first one is to fly off the handle. This one means to become angry or to lose self-control. It alludes to the idea of an axe head literally flying off its handle, something that would be unexpected and a potentially dangerous situation. Therefore, this led to it becoming a way to refer to the unexpected and potentially dangerous situation of someone becoming angry. The saying is attributed to Thomas Halliburton, a Nova Scotian politician, judge, and author. In 1843, he wrote The Attaché, or Sam Sick in England, and in it he included, quote, He flies right off the handle for nothing. End quote. Now let's laugh. If you're in stitches over something, then you're laughing uncontrollably, so much so that your sides hurt. It's the physical pain of this type of laughter that lends itself to the saying. The sharp side pains that can be associated with laughter are akin to the feeling of being poked with a needle, which is what happens when you get literal stitches to sew up a wound. This is another Shakespearean saying, first used by the Bard in his 1602 play, Twelfth Night. He wrote, quote, If you desire the spleen and will laugh yourself into stitches, follow me. End quote. Now, before moving on, while Shakespeare is thought to have written this down first, the saying didn't really come into popular use for about another 300 years. The next known print usage isn't found until 1914, in the Lowell Sun, a newspaper from Lowell, Massachusetts. In a July article from that year, we find this quote, There's a new face among the members in Ben Loring, a natural-born comedian who seems to have no difficulty whatever in keeping his audience in stitches of laughter and glee. End quote. And now, the weather. If you feel under the weather, then you feel sick. The original saying was under the weather bow, and was used solely for saying someone was seasick. The weather bow refers to the side of a ship that all the bad weather blows into. In old-timey times, before modern-day motion sickness treatments, seasick sailors could find solace from stomach-shaking storms by going down below deck. In this way, they would literally be under the weather, which was raging above their heads. The earliest print use I found was in 1835. In the Jeffersonville Daily Evening News, a newspaper from Jeffersonville, Indiana, we find the following quote. I own Jessica is somewhat under the weather today, figuratively and literally. End quote. Now let's get spooked. Heebie jeebies is an idiom that can be used to describe a variety of feelings from nervousness to apprehension to fear. Specifically, it's used most often to say that you feel one of these uneasy emotions, but you're not sure why. This saying is most often attributed to American cartoonist Billy DeBeck, who is most well-known for the comic Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. In his comic on October 26, 1923, he included this quote, You dumb ox, why don't you get that stupid look off of your pan? You give me the heebie-jeebies. End quote. Now, not everyone thinks he invented the idiom. Some think he just made it more popular. However, the phrase doesn't seem to show up anywhere before his comic, but it is used rather a lot quickly after it. So it is possible that he did coin the phrase. Now let's get Proud. The last tidbit of the day is proud as punch, which is also said as pleased as punch. This saying is another one that means extremely pleased, and we have a puppet to thank for this one. Commedia dell'arte was a popular improvised type of comedy which got its start in Italy in the 16th century. By the 17th century, it had branched out from Italy. As evidenced by an excerpt from the diary of Samuel Pepys, an English diarist and naval administrator, in sixteen sixty six he wrote, quote, "I with my wife by coach to Moorfields and there saw Polichinello, which pleases me mightily." Polichinello, also called Punchinello, was a popular puppet in this old timey times performance art, and he inspired the later character of Punch a puppet from the Punch and Judy shows. Punch was not a nice fellow, and doing bad things made him extremely happy. So Punch was pleased to be bad, and his predecessor Punchinello pleased people, and I'm sure you can see the connection here. As for the actual idiom, we don't seem to find it in writing until 1797, when it was included in a satirical work called The Bavid and Mavid. It was written by English critic, editor, and poet, William Gifford, and includes, quote, Oh, how my fingers itch to pull thy nose, As pleased as punch, I'd hold it in my grip. End quote. People were using proud as punch around this same time as well, and either one was considered proper usage, something that still holds true today. For example, Charles Dickens used Proud as Punch in David Copperfield in 1850, and then used Pleased as Punch in Hard Times in 1854. And with that, I'm Pleased as Punch to share with you today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Helen Keller. Quote, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart." End quote. Thank you, Ms. Keller, for giving us today's Familiar Quotation. All right, toppers. It's time for today's For Better or For Words. Love advice from old timey times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't tread on your husband's metaphorical pet corns. There are plenty of other people who will do that. You needn't help. And now for the men. Don't ever tell your wife a lie about anything there should be entire confidence between you. If she once finds you out in a lie, she will not believe you when you do speak the truth. Alright, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 95. Thank you for lending me your ears today to Turn Some Phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnafhrases.com to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, thanks for listening. You make me as happy as a dog with two tails. Toodaloo. Let me rephrase. They're nothing but a set of shiftless... No. They're nothing but a set... No. They're nothing but a set of shiftless... Shiftless. 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 Toppers, I actually have five more singings. Say- A newspaper from Lowell, Massachusetts. (laughs) Why did I put Massachusetts in this script twice? Because I can't say it real good. In old-timey times, before modern-day motion sickness treatments... Treatment, treatment, I forgot the T, the second T. Treatment, treatment. From nervousness to apprehension... Apprehension? (laughs) And there saw Polichinello, which pieces me... (laughs) Pieces... And he inspired. Her, inspired? Ooh, I don't like spiders. No. Toodaloo. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Is that your way of saying bye to the Toppers? No, you're not going to say anything else. Probably because you're a dog. <laughs>